Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Aron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking life, fitness, and business with Mike Bledsoe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 109 of the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Mike Bledsoe, formerly of the Barbell Shrugs Podcast, currently running a company called The Strong Coach, where he helps coaches and other entrepreneurs to build their successful fitness business. And Mike Bledsoe himself has been somebody with a wild amount of success in the fitness industry, particularly starting in the CrossFit industry and building his gym and his podcast and his brand. And today we're going to talk to Mike all about his journey and some things and lessons that he has learned along the way. Mike, I found you many years ago on Barbell Shrugged. That's like the, uh, to me, that's like the origin of uh, Mike Bledsoe. And um, talk to us a little bit about your journey and where you started, where you are now. I kind of, I had a conversation with Nicole. You popped up on my Instagram like recently and I'm like, oh man, like where's this guy been? Still alive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, Nicole, you know what? We got to get this guy on our show. And I just feel like he's probably has some nuggets to deliver, like some valuable wisdom to deliver to our audience, um, because I, I've seen your stuff since, you know, back in the day, uh, you guys were running a CrossFit, you did uh, barbell shrugged. So talk to us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, I appreciate that. The um, yeah, I mean, barbell shrug is kind of the origin uh, origin story in a way, because it was like um, there, there was a, a pretty major transformation that happened when when I go from you know, just being a Navy vet who was running a CrossFit gym, which is a very typical story for, you know, I was in the military and then I opened a CrossFit gym. That's like super popular thing to do. And, um, and with the start of Barbell Shrug, yeah, I, I joke around that Mike Bledsoe is my stage name and that there was like a new character that had to be born in order to uh, run those podcasts and YouTube channel and all that. Um, because I was put under, I kind of freaked out in the beginning because, uh, I understood very quickly that I was going to be under a microscope in a lot of ways and that I'm very free with how I speak. And I noticed that I didn't really have the ability to filter that on, on a microphone. So I started just changing how I was all the time so that I could show up the way I wanted to digitally, you know? in front of people. And so it ended up being like, a, you know, when, when you do that, you end up actually becoming the person you're trying to become instead of, you know, it's, it's not really a pretending it's like, Oh, I actually have to change. But, um, but yeah, I, um, prior to that, I, I, I was, you know, I didn't have the typical childhood. I was, uh, homeschooled all the way through and, um, out of a, you know, I saw my dad, running his construction business. And I said, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm going to go into the Navy. I'm just going to get consistent pay and I'm going to get paid to blow shit up and shoot things and jump out of planes. That was, that was my plan. 
And there's zero plan B that didn't really, the Navy really didn't give me what I wanted. And then I was just being told what to do all the time. So I have a little bit of a rebellious nature. I was like, well, this isn't going to work. And, um, you know, I got out not knowing what I would do. And uh, I, I actually did really well when I was in the Navy. And a lot of people in the Navy were like, dude, you're doing so well here. What do you, what is so good outside that you would give this up? And I was like, I don't know. I have no idea, but I know this isn't it. I know I'm meant for more. There was a book that really helped me with that transition, uh, The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Uh, she also wrote uh, Atlas Shrugged, which is where the name Barbell Shrugged came from. It's actually like a throwback to her. And um, I, I'm, uh, I've been a pretty big fan of her philosophy of objectivism. And so that's, that's really shaped a lot of my perspective over the years. But yeah, I just had this sense that I was meant to do something more. And um, yeah, I went to school. I thought, you know, business degree couldn't hurt, you know, knowing more about business. I uh, got about a quarter of the way through the semester, withdrew from the accounting class because I was going to fail it. And I was like, all right, not business. And I started looking around, looking at the school and I go, oh, there's an exercise science program. Oh, okay. I can do, I mean, I love studying that. I didn't even know that was like, I could focus on that in college. So I switched over to that, that program found weightlifting, found out that there was a whole course of study that was dedicated to what I had already been studying on my own and uh, really excelled there. And then was introduced to CrossFit. I thought CrossFit, when I first saw it, one of my Navy buddies stopped by for Christmas. He was like, can you show me some of this weightlifting stuff a little better? Cause you know, we're doing that, this CrossFit thing. And I, I saw him do a workout. I think this fight gone bad. And I, I looked at it and I said, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, I don't know why uh, it doesn't seem effective at all. What are you doing? And then uh, six months later, I gave it a shot because uh, I needed a break from weightlifting. And I was like, oh, it's really fun. This is, this is why people are doing it. And I go, oh, there's going to be some gyms. I tried to find a gym and I couldn't find a gym because it was 2006. And there were no CrossFit gyms in the entire state of Tennessee. So uh, I was like, all right, well, for a couple of weeks, I was like, kind of gave up. And then I, it hit me. I go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like pissed off that there's no gym. I'm supposed to open the gym. So I opened the gym, but never thought about it as a business, treated it like a hobby. Um, up until the point where I was so broke that I was living in my gym because I, I was like, oh, I'm just I'm going to grad school. And um, I ended up dropping out of grad school, um, but I was, I was basically like using GI Bill to keep my gym going and uh, ran out of money and didn't, I didn't want to work. I didn't, like, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, and I broke down. I had to like, I really had to give up a lot of my beliefs around business and marketing and all those things in order to opened myself up to the idea that I should study these things. And so I started my, uh, my buddy, he, Doug Larson, who was one of the co-hosts on Barbell Shrug, he uh, went on Pirate Bay and downloaded and ripped off some, uh, some marketing materials. And we started studying this guy named Evan Pagan. So like waking up in the morning, in my gym, going downstairs, watching an hour of videos, doing some exercises, PDF exercises, applying it to my gym, even though he's teaching digital marketing, which 
digital marketing in the gym space did not exist in 07, 08. We did that. And you know what? It started working. It was like, oh, we act, it was consistently people started coming in and we go, oh, so I started studying more and just implementing one thing at a time. And, um, you know, that, that really, that thing started turning around in 2009. And then by the ne- a year later, we moved into like a brand new facility that was just like top notch. We were doing well and, uh, 2012 rolled around and I, I saw, oh, why isn't there a, a podcast about from like true strength and conditioning professionals about CrossFit? It's such a huge market. And, you know, it took me two or three weeks. Oh, I'm supposed to do it. So I then uh, start the pot. Anything that's ever worked is when I've looked around the market and go, why is anyone doing this? And then I do it. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's, that's how you, that's how I know that I'm on to something good is when it just seems obvious, but doesn't exist. And um, yeah, that took off. I ended up selling my gyms. I moved to California. Um, wanted to be in the mix because we were traveling everywhere for our, our shows. We, you know, no shows were done remote. I don't think the technology was good enough then. And uh, yeah, we traveled like Europe and and uh, all over the United States. And I wanted to put us close to the action in California because that's where all the fitness was happening at the time. So that's kind of that that, that kind of brings us up to like barbell shrugged a little bit through barbell shrugged. I mean, story does go on, but curious if if you want to add anything here. So barbell shrugged, like was that you had how many gyms? I had two gyms. And then barbell shrugged. Was that like the thing that like really blew up for you guys? Yeah. I mean, the gym was doing okay. Like I, I was able to buy a house and I was, I was, I was doing better than most gym owners. I had other gym owners in the region calling me up and going, you know, what are you charging? Are you doing contracts? Are you like, how are you building your business? And I was um, really forthright with them. So I, I was doing okay. You know, I was doing better than probably most CrossFit gym owners are doing today. Even I wasn't crushing it though. But yeah, when Barbell Shrugged hit, it was what's funny is Barbell Shrugged blew up before we made any money. It was one of those things where like we were, we had become massively popular and had no idea how to make money uh, through the podcast. We were selling. This is this is good for people to hear. We were selling um, posters, like mobility posters, like here's this stretch for this thing, so on and so forth. We were, we sold like a hundred dollar, like three or four hour uh, strength seminar that we had filmed. Just bringing in like I think our best month was around a thousand dollars. And I mean, you got to think. I've got a guy producing the show, filming. We got two co-hosts. There's three hosts total. We weren't making as much money as we were spending for for 18 months there's an 18 month period where it was just pure love of the game and trust that i mean from the very beginning i go this is a great lead generation tool this is a great way to get um uh customers what are you selling i have no idea what i'm selling i don't know what they want i didn't even know that to even ask that question at the time because up until that point all of my I had, I was selling the same product that everyone was selling, which is a CrossFit gym membership. And I was applying more advanced marketing tactics to something that was already popular. And that was, that was good enough that that did well. And now I get into an arena where there is no typical online business model for fitness in this industry. And so it's kind of like, yeah, there was a good 18 months of just sniffing around and like big question marks, no idea what to do. Um, and then the same guy who we had ripped off the uh, 
marketing in the business materials. He was doing a webinar. I attended that. He was selling a conference. I, I had to like consolidate credit cards. And I, I, I basically spent like my last 10 cents to buy a $7,000 marketing conference that wasn't happening for like three months. And so at that conference is when I, you know, there's just one small tweak we needed. We just, we just needed that offer. And I, I figured out how to create an offer that resonated with the audience we had already built. Like when I, when I talked to the marketers at this conference, I, I was like, yeah, you know, like, I just don't, you know, I'm not doing as well as I want. Da, da, da. And I would tell them about what we were doing. And they go, oh, you've already done the hard part. The, the getting all the lead, the lead generation, getting the followers. I was like, I was like, really? Cause it felt like the easy part to me. And which in reality, I look back and I was like, it was not easy at all, but it was just, it was such a natural, like, I just wanted to do it that it didn't feel like work. And um, yeah, but I went back and within, I'd say about two months, we went from trying to make a thousand dollars in a month to, I think over 30,000. I think it took about 60 days to make 30,000 recurring revenue. And it just, it went up from there. You know, I, I started going to more conferences, joined some masterminds, got involved in, you know, business conversations and so I started stop surrounding myself with people who were just in my gym and started surrounding myself with people who were in business and selling things that were unrelated to what I was selling. And uh, we were able to just, you know, uh, connect some dots and, and then we were able to make some money. And then, then we were, we were really able to make the show great. So, I mean, I'm guessing you, you, you developed quite a network through podcasting, right? I mean, I, I, I would say like, I don't know if this is still true today, but I, I think there was a time where I was the most network guy in strength and conditioning. I knew every, I was, cause I would go in and podcast with somebody and we were doing it in person. We'd work out together. We'd grab a meal together. We'd podcast. We were friends at the end of the day. And sometimes it, some, for some people we interviewed, it was multiple days. And we flew to London for interviews, Sweden for interviews. We go up to Columbus, Ohio. I've spent, I spent several days with Louis Simmons uh, on more than one occasion. Um, you know, not just people in the CrossFit space. I would say I was even more networked than, you know, Zach Evanesh, a lot of people, guys that wrote for T Nation. I was networked with so many people that weren't even part of the, it's like I, I was um, like, we were bridging the gap between like the old fitness and the new fitness and, uh, yeah, there, there was a time I was just super well networked and I still like, I can, I can hit people up today and like, you know, people offer their gyms up for free. If I want to do a seminar, it's like, it's really nice. I think, uh, what you brought up with kind of bridging that gap between old fitness and new fitness, I think CrossFit did a lot of that in terms of now you look at every gym and I didn't see this pre CrossFit or at least in the gyms that I was in. Like, so Nicole and I come from the big box world. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I had buddies that opened CrossFits and, you know, I kind of came from a bodybuilding background. Nicole came from a dance background and then competed in uh, Nicole was bikini. Yeah. Right. Bikini. Sorry. I should know that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so we kind of came from that world. I had some buddies that tried to pull me into cross and I did a bunch of CrossFit workouts as well. Um, yeah. But I, I never saw rowers in any gyms pre CrossFit. I never saw. um Olympic lifting platforms in gyms pre-CrossFit. And, you know, it's funny because I you get a lot of people in, let's say, either the bodybuilding world, the powerlifting world, where, wherever they come from, 
They're like, ah, CrossFit, like, and I'm like, well, you can't really shit on something that literally changed an entire industry, right? That brought things that weren't mainstream into the mainstream. I think what I want to ask you, though, is in the the state of CrossFit now, like, what do you think the direction is with CrossFits? What with with the specific gyms or the, the just the whole concept in general, the whole methodology? You know, it's tough because um, Greg Glassman uh, achieved his mission. And I'm not even sure he knew that he did. But when I would, when I remember listening to Greg talk, he would speak about, you know, bringing functional fitness to the masses. And now if I go into a 24 or if I go into a lifetime, there are kettlebells, there are ropes, there are rowers. And uh, there are, you know, classes that look kind of like CrossFit where the functional fitness is being done. Like, you're right. It's, it's everywhere. So, like, I feel like once it became mainstream, CrossFit just didn't was not as important anymore. And so uh, I think that I mean, I, I saw this early on and I actually rebranded my gym not to carry the CrossFit name because I saw I don't know how you guys feel about any of this but like i saw that there was a possibility and i had a i had a few like you know uh headbutting uh situations with hq and some of their sponsors and you know there was there i didn't feel good about like tying my cart my my horse to that cart or cart to that horse or whatever you want to call it because i was i realized i like it they could do anything at any time and it's going to totally impact me and it's outside of my control so I'd rather just focus on branding my own gym, branding it outside of CrossFit to maintain that, that safety. And we did that in 2010. So like, I, I, I think what I did then would still apply to gyms now, which is like, you need to create a unique selling proposition. You gotta, you gotta have a, a unique offer that's outside of the typical CrossFit thing. You don't necessarily need to like drop the name but there needs to be something that, that causes you to stand out, Do, doing things in a way that is uncommon. Um, and I have some ideas on how that would work. Um, and then for, for like the uh, organization of CrossFit, you know, if I go to the website now, it's, it's very vanilla um, and it's definitely going way more. It's definitely going catering to the mainstream. And, you know, I think that's also good and okay. Whatever gets people moving, honestly, like, I mean, most people don't drink enough water or, or walk. <laughs> That's all they got to do. You know, <laughs> I can tell Nicole's like, yes, I'm bursting because I say <laughs> that on like every single one of our podcasts. And I just, I love, I love the mindset piece behind everything that you're speaking about. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's like, you know, um, whatever, whatever gets you your, your movement fix, you know? If it's uh, dancing, CrossFit, I prefer dancing. I, I think all, <laughs> all my training these days, the, the, there's a saying in my business, which is all things lead to the dance floor. Oh, so I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, we, we're, we like to, we like to party and you know, we like music and you know, we're, fun. we like to have fun. We go to festivals and every once in a while I'll have the entire team on one dance floor. We're <laughs> like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> This is what we've been working for. You know, this is why we make money. This is why we train. This is what it's, it's for the dance floor. That's I love it. Well, it's the, the, you know, I talk a lot about things being fun. I, I really don't live in this world. If it's not 
a good time. There's obviously a place for hard work, dedication, and commitment to your goals, but there has to be a fun piece to it. And I grew up in the ballet world as a ballerina and talk about commitment, dedication, and hard work. I put my entire life into that. And then when I got injured, I started strength training and rehab, and that's how I found my second career. And so what I love about a lot about what you speak about from a mindset standpoint is kind of pivoting and shifting when you pick your head up from something that may have been a struggle or tough time and you look around and you now have to see things through a different lens and redevelop yourself or create that new person or new mindset or, you know, just a a new way of thinking of things. And I've had to do that many times in my life, in my career, as even as a trainer. And so it's inspirational to hear you speak about that because it makes, it creates this it makes me feel like everything I've done is valid because someone else has also gone through it. So that's nice to hear. Um, And then just from a client standpoint with clients that I train and teach and work with that they also have that connection too. And what I love about the CrossFit stuff is just the community aspect. I don't know from a workout standpoint, as long as people move, just what you said, whatever it is that makes you feel better, look better, be better. The community of CrossFit definitely was something that I experienced similar when I did bikini shows because it was a bunch of women. We were all trying to have it. We have the same goal. We're trying to be stronger, be better, look better, get on stage, whatever that uh, sport is that you're competing against yourself for. I think that's something that every person from in their fitness goal is trying to achieve when you're struggling together, it's easier. And when you're dancing together and successful, it's easier. So all that stuff really speaks to me. I think it's just such great mindset shift. Thank you. Well, that's where it comes into your social circle, right? And I'm sure that you have had people around you, Mike, along the way where those people kind of lifted you up when when you needed. And you had you also probably had people that you kind of like were like, all right, like if I surround myself with this person, I'm going to become the person that I need to be. Right. And, and that kind of reminds me of, you know, you go into Nicole and I started this. Uh, we started Eat Right Nutrition during the pandemic. And I was like, a and Nicole's like, we're going to start a podcast. Like nobody, I have nothing to say. Right. Uh, and then one day, <laughs> like she said on one of our couple episodes ago, she's like, and then one day a microphone just showed up at my house and it's like, okay, this is serious. Um, but you know, what you kind of talked about kind of hits a note for me because you kind of mentioned that you had to become that person. Yeah. Right. And you had to, I look at it like this and correct me if I'm wrong in interpreting it. You have to grow into the person that can do that. Right. Right. So yeah. you, ne- you never start the journey as that individual. And you're just you start the journey like, holy shit, like, am I really going to or at least I did like, is this going to happen? Like, I don't really think I could do this. And then along the way, you pick up these kind of character traits that you're just like, oh, I can do this. And you start to gain momentum with that. You start to change and evolve. And then you see yourself grow as your business grows and then your life changes. Yeah, I think that. um for, for someone to be a successful entrepreneur, there's a certain level of, uh, you got to be, have a certain level of delusion. You have to be somewhat delusional uh, because you've got to be like, ah, I can do that. And I, so many times, so many of my entrepreneurial friends, we get chatting and we go, man, if I knew it was going to be this hard, I wouldn't have done it. And the identity piece is interesting because I, I, I agree, like you have to identify the identity that you want to uh, energize that archetype you want to energize 
before you become the thing. That's that's what gets you there. It's like, oh, I want to be, um, I want to be a world class podcaster, for instance. It's like, okay, well, I have to do the things that a world class podcaster would do. And the easiest way to know what a world class podcaster does is, well, first go be around some of them, see how they're being, and then be like them, and uh, you know, mimic in a way. Um, but you know, I think sometimes people hear these things and they they go, "Well, I don't want to be a pretender." And look, here's the thing: everyone's pretending all the time. Like nobody's really being themselves ever. So, you know, choose your pretense, pretend, pretend what you want to, what you want to move towards. So, yeah, that's, I think that's really, really important. You know, it's, that reminds me, Nicole, of the conversation we had, um, Mike, I don't know if you know, uh, Dr. J Tita. No. So he's a, uh, naturopathic physician guys. Excellent. Really does a lot with, uh, human metabolism, thyroid function. Um, he's written a, a bunch of books and, you know, he talked to us about, becoming an author. And he's like, I've written seven books and it took me probably seven books to identify as author because you, you kind of have to do, and then your brain kind of catches up to, Oh, well, yeah, I am that person. I, I think that it, it's, um, it's uncomfortable. Yes. Like, like, Oh, I'm going to take on this identity and to go around and say it out loud is like, mm, I'm not really an author. Like, oh, I'm not really a, podcaster it's like i i think that yeah that that's where courage comes in handy it's like oh we got to be courageous we got to like step into the identity that we don't feel like we are just yet and really uh just step into it and then after a certain amount of repetitions it becomes more comfortable mm -hmm. i've got like a when it comes to practicing courage I, I one of the things i tell my students is uh you really you know, don't challenge yourself more than 10 or 20% beyond your comfort level, you know, because, you know, you could crash and burn, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to do something that's like incredibly terrifying. And then, I mean, I've done it myself where I, I go in, I'm like, I'm terrified to do this. I'm going to make myself do it anyway. I'm very good at doing that. And I end up totally screwing up whatever I'm trying to do. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to charge double what I'm normally used to charging or I feel comfortable charging. And then like during the sales conversation, like, uh, get all nervous. It's like, or I could have just gone for 10 or 20% beyond what I was comfortable with. I might've been a little nervous, but I could have had some, some success. And then that success would give me more confidence. And then I would, that would be get more and more success. So small steps at a time to get yeah. to kind of that bigger end results. What are some other other mindset roadblocks that you think people experience like that? I mean, that's a perfect example of one. Well, I mean, uh, I can just take that one a little bit further is I think most mm -hmm. people don't really uh, give themselves credit for the progress they're making. Uh, mm -hmm. People will have an expectation of making really big steps really fast. Yeah. I was talking to a woman yesterday and she was sharing with me like, you know, I'm working out and I'm, you know, I'm getting my nutrition right. And it's just the weight doesn't come off fast enough. And I get, I get frustrated with myself. So then I drink a glass of wine and then, <laughs> yeah. and like, and then I'm like, and then I'm feel guilty about drinking the wine and cause I'm trying to lose weight and then it's a yeah. vicious cycle. And I go, I go, yeah. So, you know, how long did it take for you, 
when was the last time you were at the weight that you would be happy with? And she was like, oh, geez. That was like 15 years ago. I go, yeah. <laughs> and how long do you, she, is it going to take, she, she looks at me and goes, is it going to take 15 years? Because she got what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it won't take 15 years. But realize that this was a gradual progression to get where you are now. And it's going to be a gradual progression to get out and get to where you want to be. Yeah, like give it 15 maybe months. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's there's, not as bad. But we we could do, I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably, I, I think y'all might be a little bit like me, which is like, there's a lot of tracking going on. I, I don't necessarily track what I eat anymore, but I'm like tracking HRV, how much rest did I get? You know, how much, how much work did I do this week? You know, was my work output just looking at those, those big macro uh, numbers. And it's easy when I'm tracking, when I track well to acknowledge myself for the progress I'm making. It's like, Oh, do a little bit better, do a little bit better. But I also, my mind just kind of is always, you know, recognizing that, practice is what like I'm just always practicing like I, I talk about this in business too is like this business that I'm running now I love it it's great and I'm just practicing for the next one and that gives that allows me to give myself a little bit of grace mm. on when I screw up or it makes the lessons I wouldn't really say I screw up like I ran an experiment last quarter that did not fare well I uh, spent a lot of money and I did not make the money back it was a very expensive lesson, but like, I really, I was like, yeah, we ran an experiment. Some people on my team were just like, no, this sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I would, you know, I wish that every experiment I ran was a win. I mean, but that's not how life works. And so we got to run this experiment. We go, well, we just won't do that again. So we'll go back to the thing that was working better than that. So we're always mm -hmm. looking to improve, but some of those lessons can be a little painful. I actually think the painful ones are the are the good ones. And I always teach that, you know, we talk about being okay with sucking at things. Yeah. Because the more you do it, the less you suck at it. And each lesson that you learn in a suckable moment um, actually gets you to a place where you build some self-trust, right? So you know this next time when something like this comes up, you have a, a different mindset of how you're going to approach it. I feel like the one of the best parts about learning how to not suck at things is you can do that when it comes to nutrition, exercise, business, relationships. I mean, it can, you literally can apply it to anything. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because what you're, what you apply to business and I'm sure there are many lessons that you learned in business that you kind of carry over to life and vice versa. Right. Oh yeah. It's all, it's all intertwined. Uh, um, I, I would say that my, my romantic relationships and my, and business have been my two biggest things that caused me to grow. And and the lessons, you know, they they transfer over to each other. It, it's not always a direct correlation, but it's there's a lot to be. Yeah. I, I, for instance, I got really good at communication. I was motivated to get good at communication because I was hiring a lot of people and I go, holy shit, I need to be able to communicate effectively. And I went to all these communication workshops and then my my relationship at the time improved dramatically like to the point where people were impressed they're like how do you do it how are you guys like you guys are like kicking ass i'm like yeah all these communication workshops are paying off i want to just backtrack a little bit you talked about how you got to be uh a little you have to be like a little delusional to you know in bit with business and i and i kind of want to relate that to some of our audience listening to this in terms of you know like fitness and nutrition journey and stuff like that mm-hmm 
because I feel like some of that you feeling like you're delusional for thinking a certain way is like this societal thought process and 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 like just society kind of making you think a certain way. Yeah, you got to. Um, here's the thing is we weren't taught how to hold a vision of the future that's different than right now. Right. So I, I would say 99% of the people listening to this, they woke up and were immediately told where to be and what to do. And then that just kept happening until this very day. Like how many people who are listening have a job that they are told when to be there and what to do. And how much time have you spent in your life where there, that wasn't part of your life? So I only mentioned that to, to help give you some grace, because in order to make the change you want in your life, you have to be able to stabilize and hold a vision of the future that's different than right now. And we have very little practice with that. And so it's a skill to develop just like anything else. And, and acknowledging the progress that we make is, uh, is a good thing to do. And so thinking about the future being different than right now, I mean, that is that that's being out of touch with, with reality, right? Reality, the only thing that's real is what's happening right now in this moment. Everything else is a, a memory, which, you know, a lot of research shows the way that we remember the past is incredibly inaccurate. Um, and then what we project in the future almost never happens exactly the way we think it's going to. And, you know, how, how much time is someone spending in this, very moment in touch with the reality of, of, of right now, well, we spend very little time there. We're either dwelling on the past or the future. And the people who tend to be the most successful are the ones that dwell on the future. Well, able to learn from the past, but they dwell on the future to a degree and in a way that's different than right now, which is very, very hard to do. And so like some people, most people, the best thing they can do is model after somebody else. It's like, I want to be like this other person is right now sometime in the future for me. Uh, that's, that's like the first step. Most people, that's how I got started in fitness and like, you know, open up the bodybuilding magazines. Oh, I'm modeling these guys, you know, I'm, I'm like, I see what they do and I'm going to copy it. And then uh, to be original and be a vision and hold a vision of the future, that, that's incredibly difficult. Uh, that's, that's like a whole other level. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that I'm actually that good at it. But uh, it's uh, it, it's a skill that I think creates the most fulfillment. Like if you can if you can create a vision of the future that's truly what you want and not just modeling what other people are doing, uh, then when you get there, it'll be really fulfilling. I think for a lot of people that like the danger we can fall into is like I want to model somebody else, which means which kind of like is going to end up sucking because there's no way we're actually going to be like them. And so it's a never ending trap of like dissatisfaction with self. So there's, there's like this, there's this people, people are either like really hard on themselves and get themselves motivated to do stuff, or they're too passive and they, uh, they're like, make everything okay all the time. We've got a really good example of this. You're a kid playing baseball and you strike out at the plate. What's your, uh, what's your dad going to say to you? We're going to work harder or, you know, some shit like that. Yeah. We're going to be in the batting cages tomorrow. We're going to clean this up. We're going to get you there. What What's mom say? It's okay. Honey. Wonderful. Yeah. It's okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so um, these are, this is like a perfect example of like how the, the, the masculine shows up and the feminine shows up. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Um, neither one of them are wrong. Both of them are right. And um, the, the skill is most people, they only know how to be maternal or paternal. They don't know how to be both at the same time. And so if someone's really seeking self-mastery, you have to hold both simultaneously. You have to have the masculine and feminine inside of yourself and hold that for yourself. And if you can simultaneously be in acceptance of love and everything that is right now and who you are and everything that got you here, while also seeing a vision of the future that's better than right now, if you can hold both of those simultaneously, then you'll make really great progress. But if you're judging yourself or getting down on yourself right now, and then trying to like punish yourself into being better in the future, it's just not going to work. Well, it's like you love yourself and at the same time can still want, like you can love yourself and still want to improve. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if you love yourself, you, you, you have to improve. Yeah. And you have to want to improve, right? If you love yourself, you'll, you why well, wouldn't yeah, you want like, to see the best version of you? It's like, um, you know, I, I, I've gone out to eat with people before and I'm like passing on, you know, some kind of dessert or beer or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, don't really want to eat that. And then, you know, some big lady will stop by and then start getting on to me for like, what? why don't you just like let go and enjoy yourself or like, don't you love yourself? I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Like, I I'm not going to sacrifice my future self for a moment of, you know, really shallow satisfaction. Like, like this is going to be enjoyable for about 10 seconds. And then my energy is going to drop. And then I'm going to feel miserable the rest of the night. And then I'm going to have brain fog for two days. And I'm like, this is totally because I love myself. And so I think that the reason people are, I, I think most people eat poorly or hat, it really is a self-love issue. Uh, you know, it's, it's a slow suicide, you know, they, yes, I yeah. so agree. <laughs> they don't like themselves. Mm -hmm. And they think yeah. if they blame it on the food, it's the food's problem or if the food is good or bad and it's all about the food and it has nothing to do with the food. Yeah. Or at least that's my opinion. You yeah. Know, I think it's all about how you feel about yourself and you feed what you feel. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of clients that did some emotional cleanup and then all of a sudden the pounds just come off. Yeah, it's amazing. They totally, you know, they're the way they eat changed unconsciously. All of a sudden, they just started making better choices and they weren't mm -hmm. even aware they're making yeah. better choices because they just happen to love themselves a little more today. Yeah. Yep. Well, we talk about the conversation around primary and secondary foods, which Nicole, I'll credit to you introducing me to that. Um, but it's the the work that you have to do on yourself in your life in order to focus on. So like your 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 primary foods are, Nicole, you can explain it better than I can. <laughs> the things that feed you that have nothing to do with food, relationships, exercise is part of it. I basically say movement, your career, your sense of self, self-care, spirituality. I mean, you could link a lot of things to your primary foods. If those feed you from a, you know, a soul standpoint, then the decisions and the choices and the behaviors you make for your secondary foods, which is your carbs, proteins, fats, water, alcohol, whatever, exercise, um, is much easier to make those choices because you're feeding the primary source first and then it trickles down. The secondary becomes much easier. And it's basically what you're explaining. A lot of my clients, when we work on jobs that they hate, relationships that are a struggle or a sense of self-hatred or poor self-love or not enough self-care, whatever may be going on 
on the exterior, then it is. It's really incredible to watch from a coaching standpoint, someone start to feel different about themselves and feel pure joy and happiness and then go, you know, I really kind of don't want, I'm not even craving those foods anymore. I kind of want to make a change. What do you think? And I'm like, I think this is amazing. (laughs) And I'm ready to work with you on however, what do you think? Like, let's continue to dig deeper into that and talk about it. Yeah. This is the future of coaching. Yeah. Uh, What what you're doing is what coaches should be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, so many coaches I run across are, you know, like, uh, caught up in the macros and like how much you should you eat. Like those are good things to know. Yeah. But you know what? AI is going to do all that in the future. So <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> it's going to write your workouts. It's going to like tell you what to eat, when to eat it, all that stuff. But the, the relationships that we have with our clients, you know, the relationships you have with your clients, that's in, in, in the, in the, the deeper work with, with, them is really what you know we were talking earlier about what sets coaches apart or crossfit gyms or whatever Mm -hmm. is every time i run to someone who's really successful is they really care about the entirety entirety of the the client's life yes and they recognize like you know i got a client who was working 60 hours a week in a cubicle at a pesticide company (laughs) was showing up to work out four days a week and was, I mean, he told me he was eating paleo, but like he wasn't losing weight. He was extremely obese. And then finally, I just had the guts as a coach to be like, dude, this, your work is killing you. Yeah. Like you just, like, I, I don't know if I can actually do anything for you while you're still working there. Yeah. And how do you feel? And what do you think you could change? And how do you get there? That whole mindset shift and just bringing that to light as a coach, I think is something that I I don't know if it's a confidence thing with coaches that they're not confident enough to ask those questions, but I'm pretty, I'm a deep digger. Well, I I think it's, I think it's a very difficult conversation to have with people where it's like everything that you've built your entire life on is it's that's what's killing you. And it's not your nutrition and exercise habits and things like that. And, you know, Nicole and I, we've had conversations about this. And, you know, when we kind of started early on with Eat Right Nutrition, it's like, okay, well, what do we want to do and what are we doing here? And it's, well, I don't just want to change your nutrition. I want to change your life. And in, it's kind of a weird conversation at first with clients when you start to bring up like other things outside of their food and nutrition. And I'm like, well, those are all things I try to reason with them about like, they just find it weird. Right. And it's like, yeah, you're here to deal with my nutrition and my exercise and do my programming and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I need to get to the root of the problem here. And if one feeds the other, right, I need to get into all things that you consume. And that is not just food that you're consuming. It's, you know, your behaviors, your relationships with other people, your social media, all of those primary foods that we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a skill to develop because most people that, you know, they come in, they want to lose weight. They, there's a reason they didn't go to a therapist and they came to you, right? Like a lot of people's first step into personal development is fitness because like the physical body is way more real to them. It's something they can see They you know, they have feelings about it. And I'm not saying that coaches should be therapists, but what I'm saying is we, uh, we can get better just asking better questions. questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not about telling anybody anything. It's about like 
and you can you can learn how to do it slowly and work your way in there. And um, I, I did develop a, a mindset uh, training course for coaches that uh, helps them. Like it's funny is I, I built this and with some friends, and uh, then I started dating a psychotherapist a couple of years ago, and she goes, "Oh, that's narrative therapy." I was like, I was like, no, it's not. We made it up. Like, <laughs> but she's like, she's like, yeah, that's what you're doing. Is like, you're, we're working with the identity. We're working with narrative and all this stuff. And I've had students go through and go, I want to use this on my clients. And I'm like, be careful. Cause you, you know, your clients probably don't want this. Hmm. You know, they don't want to change how they think they want to like, they want the, all the change without needing to shift their identity at all or or the narrative you know the story they tell about themselves to themselves and you gotta you gotta have like trojan horses you know just ask them questions and then work your way in there and so like yeah just like a just like a trainer in the beginning right they because what we do is we we teach all these uh i don't i don't run the company anymore but uh the company like teaches all these structures these language structures that people are using and like when I'm talking to somebody now, I can I can tell what they mean, which is different than what they're saying. Right. And so the trick is not to call the call people out on what they mean. And, you know, you don't want to just shove the mirror in their face. What you got to do is you got to be you know, you got to warm them up to it. And so just like training, like, you know, people go to like a, well, a CrossFit seminar. Right. They go to the, the level one seminar, get certified. And next thing you know, they're like having their clients do all sorts of crazy shit. <laughs> it's like, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you got to ease these people into this thing, you know, and, and a really advanced coach, maybe they, maybe they've got a dozen certifications. They've been coaching for 10, 20 years. And then they go to a crossword level one. What are they going to do? They're going to integrate the good ideas that came out of that. They're going to integrate it into what they're currently doing. Yeah. And so that's usually how you can spot like a new coach versus a, uh, an experienced coach an experienced coach is like, they can take in new information, just weave it into what they know already works. They got their, their foundation, but the new coach, you know, ooh, get excited. <laughs> I learned this thing about kettlebells. Now we're doing only kettlebells for like forever now. And, and until, you know, they go to the a barbell certification or whatever. I don't know what people are doing these days. So, <laughs> well, I think I have, I do have more questions from a mindset standpoint, if, whether it be business or just you know, in general, whatever you're trying to achieve in terms of a successful goal, what are some, what are three things that you would say are the most important or just three things that kind of you've learned in your journey in terms of advice or like little nuggets of information that you would give to people if they're starting out, whether it be in their business, their fitness journey, what are the first three things that you think they life. would need to, yeah, their life that they would need to really focus on? You know, I think um, identifying your values, right? And so if you're, so this, this applies to everybody is knowing your own values. You got to know that first. And then in business, you got to understand what your client's values are. And so values are a huge uh, thing because it's how they rank importance, right? It's what they make important. And uh, most people have no idea what their values are. And if you talk to them and ask them what their values are, They'll say a bunch of words that are a bunch of BS. And uh, my favorite way to find someone's values is one is walk through their house and you'll see what they have, right? A lot of people will say they value all sorts of stuff, but most people have a giant television in the living room 
and all the seating is situated in a way to put the attention on the television, not to uh, visit with people and relate to each other. Right. So mm -hmm. I go, oh, I value relationships, I'm like, but more than the TV. <laughs> and so like, like, oh, okay. So like that, that'd be an example or, you know, like I have a gym in my, my uh, garage, right. Full on. Like someone will ask in my house, like, oh, this guy, he, he actually values fitness, right? It's that's, what's actually there. Um, and so walking through someone's house, looking in their fridge, you can see what mm -hmm. someone values all these things. The other thing, so walking through someone's house is a great one. That's always fun. But the best one is their bank account. If you can get like their credit card and bank <laughs> bank statements, whoo, now you got the truth because people spend money on what they value. And so how many, oh man, it's so crazy. It's like the, it's like the most frustrating thing in health and fitness. Yeah. And the client's like, I can't afford to eat right. Or I can't afford a coach or I can't afford this. And if I were to pull out their credit card statement, there'd be, you know, uh, a pretty big bar tab on there. <laughs> right. It's like, ah, I don't have enough money to train. I'm like, you spent $300 at the bar last week. Pretty sure you can afford train. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure you can afford organic food. So like, yeah, bank statements, credit card statements. Here's the thing. P you know, people don't look at that. You know why? It's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> truth That's hurts. The deeper, the, the deeper why, right? If they're going to Starbucks, that mine is Starbucks every morning on the like the drive through type stuff from a nutrition standpoint. I'm like, <laughs> if you're spending five dollars on a cup of coffee. I know you can eat better in the morning. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. So bank accounts are good. I don't know. Those are, those are like two for values. That's like what I really okay. like to, so, uh, that, that'd be one. And what's another one? I think, um, well, another, an, another thing that I hear a lot I, it, it, cause it's 2022 and, uh, I'd say the last decade, I've just gotten a lot of people that are like, what are you, what is your purpose? Like you seem, you seem so happy. Like what is, you, you look like you have a purpose-driven life. You're out there, you're going after something. And people are like, you know, ask me what my purpose is. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what my purpose is. And, uh, and then I, I uh, learned this uh, really cool way to think about purpose is that here's the thing is when people talk about purpose, they have a sense of purpose, right? Purpose is not something I can like, I can't write it down. Mm -hmm. I can't put it into words. Why can't I put it into words? Well, it's because it's a sensation. We have a sense of purpose. Like, oh, I'm going to go help clean up the trash at the park or the beach or whatever. Oh man, that, that feeling I have in my body. And I have a real sense of purpose there. Like when I, mm -hmm. when I help somebody, there's a really great sense of purpose there. My purpose is constantly changing to whatever is put in front of me in the moment. And tapping into that sensation. If you want to follow your purpose, you're never going to be able to tell somebody what your purpose is. And you're always just going to follow a feeling. And that's totally okay. Now, the other side of purpose is mission. So mission is when we take that purpose and we put it into, uh, we, we call, uh, we create a definition. So to, to define is to remove the infinite, right? Purpose is this infinite thing, emotions, energy, these, this is all infinite. Well, if we want to package this into a nice little uh, package and put a bow on it, then we have to define it. We have to make it finite and we need to narrow it down into a, a simple statement. It's a very, going back to masculine and feminine, the energetic body emotions, that sense is a very feminine trait. 
taking it and putting it into a single point, taking all that energy and put it into a single point is a very masculine thing to do, right? It's like women tend to be able to consider everything that's going on in the room all the time. The dude is sitting in the corner, not thinking about a damn thing. <laughs> There's nothing running through the head, <laughs> right? And if, and if there is, it's like focused on a single point. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times people who are like suffering with like, I don't know what my purpose is, is they're really saying, I don't know what my mission is because they all know what having a sense of purpose is like. And the best way to like, the best way to start figuring out what your mission is, is to follow that sense of purpose and notice the patterns of what lights you up. And then you can, you can start narrowing it down and defining it. But we're going through a big change in the world. We've been going through a big change in the world where people's careers used to last decades. And now it lasts a few years before they switch industries or whatever it is. It's extremely common to switch. And there's way more chaos and there's way more change happening more quickly. So being able to define your mission and like really stick to it is going to be very, very difficult. And this is also something that hasn't been practiced. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I really encourage people to probably lighten up on this whole needing to have a mission thing and just follow your purpose for a while and pay attention. And if you pay attention and you look for the patterns, then you might be able to have a mission at some point. And, you know, you can have more than one of those too. Mm -hmm. You got to see what fulfills you yeah. as you kind of go through life. And that might yeah. change, right? Is what you're saying. I mean, it listen, definitely I, changes, <laughs> right? I, I came from a background of bodybuilding and my purpose was get on the stage, look as best as I can and continue to do that for years and years. Right. And then I got to a point where I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I achieved as much as I want here and I, I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, purpose changed. It evolved. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So value purpose. Um, what would be your third? Because this um, is so good. Value, purpose. What was the question again? Was just, just good Three. advice. <laughs> <laughs> I got you so good. This is so good. Three, three basic um, uh, things that you would suggest for success. I love value, purpose, and then what would be your third? If you're just oh, getting started, yeah. man. It, it, no matter where anyone's at, uh, just getting started. I think we did a lot. Yeah, you got to be delusional. But also you got to be in touch with reality. Like this is a bit of a juxtaposition here is you, you got to believe that you're capable of stuff that just you aren't currently capable of. Right. But you also have to be real about where you're actually at. Kind of like what I was talking about before where it's like, mm -hmm. how long did it take you to get to this weight? Yeah. This woman was living in a, uh, not in reality. She, she wasn't even acknowledging, you know, the reality of where she's currently at and what got her here. And so uh, the truth does hurt. It's very difficult. There's a, there's a guy I like to follow who he, the way he, say, he says, the truth is belligerent. <laughs> it doesn't give a shit about what you think. Like or feel or, or yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. What you feel and what you think probably ain't true. People who remain in that delusion about the current moment uh, are going to are going to suffer. There's, uh, there's a saying also uh, uh, suffering is being in an argument with reality. And so the thing is, is, you know, in in health and fitness, it's so easy. If you're not real with what, how you've been eating up until this point, we can't just give you a whole new diet immediately. We got to like we're going to have to change it over time. But we have to be, I need that diet log. I need to know what you've been eating, right? 
Yeah. We got to get real with it. And people have a hard time doing that. Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. And like you said, <laughs> that whole mirror, uh, would you say, uh, show it shining the mirror at them. I had a coach, I had a, a mentor that used to say, if you, if you hold the mirror up too close, they're going to shatter it before you even get any education or dig any dig deeper. So take the mirror down and just start asking questions. And then little yeah. by little, they, they kind of see it on their own. Their reflection becomes, you know, I don't even think, I don't even think they're, they're not, they're not even, it's some, sometimes they're in denial, but a lot of times they're not even aware, right? They're like, yeah, I eat great. I I hit my protein mark. I hit, I I do this, I do that. And then the log, like you're saying, they start to log and then they're like, oh, wow, I had no idea. Yeah. There's, um, (laughs) there, there's a, oh man, I've studied so much psychology. There's like this concept that was introduced to me recently, which is like, there's no such thing as the subconscious. Like you do know. You, you, yes, you, I you know, there. You, you know, and like saying that there's a subconscious and a conscious is a scapegoat. It's mm-hmm. a way of it's an excuse to to pull away growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's it takes a lot of courage to go full truth. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And I think having people we've talked about this in one of our other podcasts about having people that are that are around you that that give you grace and allow for the tough conversations, but also know how to have those conversations with you where it's not aggressive and icky and kind of uncomfortable, but they come at you in a place from love and wanting you to learn more about yourself and being really honest. Cause you mentioned communication. That's something that I have worked on a ton myself, not taking things personally when people do say things to me and not getting defensive and being like, okay, Ooh, it hurts to hear, but Maybe I just need to take a step back and then deciding whether that's something I really, I don't know, yeah. maybe I, I do. I really need to listen to that. Do I need to just think about it? How do I you want to show up for the you next need to let it marinate? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the taking things personally is interesting. It's like uh, like it's such a selfish thing to do. I'm going to make this about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, OK, uh, or or, you know, <laughs> one, one of the ways that I've softened it up for myself and a lot of my clients is uh it's not who you are. It's what you learned. Right. And so if all my behavior, which is true, all my behavior was learned in my, I might have learned it from my mom and my dad when I was two years old, but it's learned. Mm-hmm. And if I can, if I can learn it, I can unlearn it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm a lot. If I don't make it mean something about m- me, who I am, and I really make it about some behavior I learned, it's so much easier to change it. If I make the meaning when someone brings something to me, I go, oh, wow, this, I'm a bad person. You know, that's me taking it personally, right? Yes. Uh, I, I make it mean that I'm bad or evil or whatever. And now I got to wrestle with that until I can, you know, you Get know, until it's tired. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yes, exactly. You wear yourself out, take a right. nap. And then I wake up and I'm like, okay, maybe I really, you know, mm, okay. Yeah. There might be some points there. I I absolutely <laughs> a nap always want, helps. <laughs> yeah, a nap for me is a game changer. I have to shut this down before I can actually think about things in a deep way. I always joke with Jerome that I'm kind of like a slow cooker. I just I need to simmer on things and take it in and like you said earlier as a female, I need to look at every angle, think of every, you know, situation and then well, I can come back and go, okay. The reality is that Nicole needs <laughs> Nicole needs to bitch about things for long enough. <laughs> <laughs> until she comes around and she's like, actually, you know what? That, that's, right. this is actually a good thing. Wow. She's like, this sucks. This is awful. And then like two, two days later, she's like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm, I'm like, a oh, slow great. You know what? cooker. 
I'm like, I'll just go fuck myself then. <laughs> we uh, figure so, it out. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now. The the okay. coaching, the coaching, if you have time. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the coaching, you're coaching coaches, essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah. And inception. What what's that? Went inception. Yeah. So the so tell me a little bit about that. How does that work? Uh, you know what? I well, here's the first thing I want to say is there are a lot of people out there. I get DMs all the time with coaches trying to coach me as a coach. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I you know, I don't even know if you know what you're what you're doing, right? Like it's it's the the it, and it's since COVID, right? It's it's, it's a little frustrating. It's rampant and it's yeah. all, it's similar to the fact that we have, you know, coaches that are unqualified to coach in general. So now we have that on the level of now we've got unqualified coaches being coached by unqualified like coaches, coaches, I guess. <laughs> it's a big house of cards. Uh, yeah. The, um, you know, it's funny. It's like, if I would have, <laughs> I may have, you know, I would have started it anyway, but yeah, I, I, since COVID, yeah, there's been a big explosion and there's a few reasons for that. I, I think that a lot of time, wh what I notice is there's a young coach who knows a little something about health or fitness, and then they hire a coach that teaches them how to market and teaches them the business side of the house. They start enjoying some success. They use a technique, they use a method, it works. And then they go, wow, I can wait, make way more money selling this method that I got from this other guy. But, and by the way, in business, it's hardly anything original. Like it, 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 marketing is, you know, the, the techniques are old, you know, and you know, they can be packaged in so many ways in order to look new. Um, but, uh, I, I think there's a lot of that happening. It's like, oh, I learned one way to do it. And I'm just going to turn around and teach that one way how to do it, uh, myself. And so that's why there's like a lot of programs that are like very strict, like do it this way or, or don't do it anyway. What got me into it is, so I ran my CrossFit gym from 07 to like 2013 ish. And I had a lot of people calling me asking, you know, how am I running my facility and this and that. And I found myself on the phone all the time, multiple hours a week, giving away advice for free. And I was happy to do it. I just love talking about it. My ego probably got a big pump out of like, you know, being smart and shit. And so I had started podcasting with the Barbell Shrugged and I go, oh, I'm on the phone all the time talking about business. We should just do a, a business podcast. So we started Barbell Business like a couple of years after Barbell Shrugged. And that did really well too. And I ended up coaching a lot of gym owners primarily. I'm really gym owners on how to run their gyms because I knew how to do that. And then I partnered with a company and we actually helped with marketing automation software. Um, so like I'm simultaneously advising gym owners on how to do their stuff. And then I'm also got an online coaching business myself that was doing over a hundred grand a month. I'm like, yeah, I kind of like know what I'm doing. And then in 2017, I got, uh, I experienced pretty extreme burnout. Uh, I went, I was going way too hard. Um, I had a business deal go sideways. Uh, there were legal implications there. Uh, I ended up winning, but you know, it didn't mean there wasn't a ton of destruction along the way. Uh, financially, uh, I'd let go of employees and all this stuff. So, uh, I made a few, uh, poor judgment calls and trying to grow my business as fast as possible. I was, I had in my head, I was going to go to hundred million, I'm like, all right, I can do hundred million a year. That's the goal. I was serious about it. And I was wanting to get there today. And, uh, 
And man, ego was really running the show. Then if anyone would have told me that I would have slapped him in the face, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to behave. Um, but, and, and they would have been right. Uh, so yeah, I basically experienced like a really big, you know, I had to downsize my business and I got it back. I mean, it, I got everything back to where, you know, uh, stable, you know, we went from, you know, making hundreds of thousands a month to like 60 K a month. And that was, that was stabilized and like, okay, we can, we can eat and breathe. And, you know, we're down to three team members now, but, um, when all that dust settled, I, I, uh, I took a break. I told, I was like, I did a lot of reflection. I, I did a lot of emotion. I went to a retreat where it was like a week of like emotional trauma work. And I really realized that I realized in that week that all my decisions in business, like it was like so driven out of ego and just more and more and more. And I was like, I don't trust myself in business right now. Like I, I need a break from this. I don't, I, you know what? I was like, I wasn't much for prayer at the time. I was like, God, if I'm flipping burgers in a year, <laughs> if that's my job, if I'm going, if I'm going to go from like well-known podcaster, fitness guy, CEO to flipping burgers in a year and I'm happy, if that's what I'm supposed to be doing, fuck it. I'm in. Let's go. So I was like, you know, what? I'm not going to work this year. This is tw- very beginning of 2018. I'm like, you know what? I told my business partners I was out. They freaked out. Um, and uh, it lasted about six months. And I just, I was in a float tank here in Austin, Texas. I was just, I I sold all my stuff, got down to two bags. I was traveling the world and I got down to two bags and uh, I'm in a float tank here in Austin, Texas. And I was just passing through. And uh, this idea came to me, the strong coach, you know, Uh, I'm hanging out with all these coaches as I'm traveling around the world. And I'm like, man, they they could really be better communicators. They could, you know, I I see them working with their clients and I, I see a gap in their ability to help them. I'm like, man, this would be so easy. Like I've done so much leadership training and personal development. Like I could bring these tools to the coaches. And so, yeah, I got out of the float tank. And then, uh, I mean, next day I dropped acid to confirm my, <laughs> <laughs> confirm my Your idea. original findings. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was right. So I, uh, 24 hours later, I'd built out uh, a website and I launched it and I, um, I was so excited to help coaches out. And I, I had a bunch of people apply, I had like a hundred people apply to be in a, you know, for five spots. And then uh, I took them through an eight week program and three weeks in, I realized like I had all these plans for teaching communication and leadership and personal development and all this stuff. Three weeks in, it was like, oh, these people need clients. They, they really like, we really need to be talking about marketing. This is part of the conversation. And so uh, over the years, you know, we, we were definitely very personal development heavy, uh, and, uh, but we, we, we are very business heavy as well. And so, um, my original intention was not met, but this is a good example of like going with where the market wants to go. Mm-hmm. Like I, like, who am I to tell people what, what it is that they need? But also after I started working with them, I got a better idea of what they need. Right. So mo- most entrepreneurs are like, they have this idea. And they put it out in the marketplace. And if I would have stuck with my idea all the way through, it would have been hard. It wouldn't have been successful. I had to give people exactly what they actually needed, not what I thought they needed from like my very limited perspective. So yeah, and then I got the business up and running. 
I ran a couple of classes and then I handed it off and I didn't pay attention to it for like six more months, screwed off, built a couple other businesses and just for fun. Like I wasn't trying to do anything crazy. I was just, I had fun like collaborating with people. And um, like six months later, one of the businesses I helped launch had like a really sucky launch. And then simultaneously the strong coach, that business had a record breaking month and I, I didn't give it any attention at all. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just, I'll do that. I'll, I'll stay over here doing this thing over here. It's interesting you talk about the, you guys are personal development. That's what you focus on. And you also focus on business development. I, yeah. I don't think you can, from where I'm sitting, I don't think you can separate the two. Well, I see a lot of people only teaching business. Yeah, I just think you'll be far, far more successful, wildly successful if you Absolutely. focus on growing as an individual, right? And then growing your yeah. business as well. Who, who you are is the limiter. Yeah. It's cool stuff, man. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. You have, you have uh, quite the journey. And it sounds like the turnaround from the float tank to the acid to the business was like that, like yeah. pretty quick. <laughs> you, I take a nap. You took six months off and yeah, yeah. yeah. everybody's uh, got their thing. <laughs> yeah. I would say it was in one week I had, uh, it was launched and I had my people and it was in a, in a week. That's amazing. But, that's, that's one of my skills. I, I got this thing called speed of implementation. And mm. uh, yeah, that's, I mean, if you have speed of implementation, you're going to fail a lot, but you're also going to find what you're successful at really quick. Right, too. quick. The, fl the flip side is not at implementing anything at any rate and just letting it, <laughs> letting it stew in your brain for years and years. Like, oh, I have this great idea and never executing it. Right. Dude, yeah, that that's so frustrating. I know there's so many people that are, they have something really special. They have a lot to contribute and yeah, they just let the fear control them and, and they're really stealing from the rest of us because we want to see your Everybody gifts. should be experiencing that from them. Yeah. 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 And then we're so, all in this together. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. space for yeah. everybody. That's also. There's plenty too. to go around. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool stuff, man. Listen, I, I love, uh, you know, like I said to Nicole initially before we got you on, I'm like, yeah, I reached out to Mike Bledsoe. He's down. He's coming on this podcast. And uh, I'm like, I'm telling you, he's got some good stuff. And <laughs> and and, you know, like I predicted, you, you have some good stuff, some good nuggets. I think some good li life lessons. And I was telling Nicole right before we hopped on, I'm like, I don't know. I just I just picture this guy just realizing some powerful life shit in a fucking rainforest, eat, eating mushrooms or something. And Nicole's like, nah, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely done that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You were right. I, I spent a lot of time in the jungle. Yeah. Columbia I mean, is my favorite. Yeah, you, you, you can you you can tell uh, somebody's, you know, kind of personality from, you know, what they present. Um, but yeah, listen, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I definitely think that there are a ton of words, words of wisdom in this episode for our audience uh, and where for, for the coaches listening to this podcast, uh, where do they find you, your services, your business, all that stuff, your Instagram? Yeah, you can go to thestrongcoach.com. I actually have an in-person summit, all-inclusive retreat happening here in Austin, Texas in the middle of September. So if you go to thestrongcoach.com, you should be able to find that on Instagram, Mike underscore Bledsoe. And um, I have a podcast I do called The Bledsoe Show. So you can go to thebledsoeshow.com and check that out. Those are, those are all my things. I appreciate y'all letting me come in and, and share. Thank you yeah, so much. I appreciate, I appreciate having you on.
And ladies and gentlemen, as always, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 